What is up, guys, and welcome to our game, His Glory. My name is Chandler Beard. A lot of you guys have probably found this podcast through my TikTok, Chandler Beard 8, but I'm really excited. Today, we have junior college baseball player who's going to be transferring D1 at Louisiana Tech coming on. His name is Jonathan Hogart. He was number two in the nation in batting average this past year in JUCO. He's about to hit to D1, and honestly, I found his Instagram, and I could just tell just from his Instagram that he looked like a really strong follower of Christ, so I decided to reach out to him. Honestly, just based off the caption, some of the pictures, it was just very obvious that he was a strong follower. It wasn't just him putting Christian in his bio. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can't know anything for sure. But just from what I saw and the conversations I've had with him, I'm really excited for today. So, Jonathan, if you want to hop on and introduce yourself a little bit more, and a little bit of your heart, that would be great. Uh, what's up, Chandler? Thank you for having me. Uh, this is just I me. Mean, yeah, I do have all that in my bio. I do post pictures and uh, it isn't just for show. I mean, this is what I ultimately love to do. Um, baseball is a great way to just spread his glory as, as your uh, title of your podcast, Our Game, His Glory. That's exactly what I try to do. I live just to glorify him through everything I do, and I have a great opportunity just to play this game of baseball, and I'm going to use it to my fullest ability. And honestly, like, I feel like a lot of times, you know, we hear, like, use it for his glory, right? Like, even I feel like sometimes with this title, you know, we hear – it's my game, his glory. But I think a lot of times we wonder like, well, how do I use my game for his glory? So, you know, like, how do you use his game? How do you use your game of baseball for the glory of God? You know, like you're saying it's a platform for him, but like, if there's an athlete out there wondering that question, like, what is the answer that you would give to them? Okay. So the best thing I can always say is all, every little, every person's watching, no matter where you're at, no matter how many people are there, there's always going to be someone watching. I was taught that at a very young age. So it's the little things you do on the field and what you do going to the field and what you do leaving the field, how you carry yourself, that smile on your face. Because let's be honest, we're blessed to play this game. I mean, we have the ability to play this game at a high level if you're a college athlete, you're top 1%. I mean, even if you get to continue to play in the pro level, you're always going to have eyes on you. Even the high school level, people from that community will always look up to you. So it's how you carry yourself and what you do on the field. Like, do you pray before a game or – even in the locker room, like the locker room is a great way to minister to people because you're with your team a lot. Because I know the season we just played, we played 68 games. I was with those guys like crazy. I love each and every one of them, my brothers. And it's how I communicate with them. It's how I react with them in situations where I'm stressed or, or say I'm going through a slump. It's how I'm handling it. Am I still bearing the fruits of the spirit? And it's just how you handle situations when they're going good and how they're going bad. Yeah, that's really true, bro. It really is true that I think especially in the bad situations, it's even easier for teammates to see God working through you because it's like, dang, like he's going through it and he's still giving glory to God. He's still joyful, you know, even though he may be frustrated, like he's still there. And I mean, I guess in a 68 game season, obviously you were second in the nation in batting average, but was there any times where you were kind of going through a hard slump or a hard time? Or something happened in general where a teammate even may have looked at you and just been like, dang, like Jesus really is that. Because like, I don't know how it is, but like, I guess there's a good amount of your teammates that aren't Christians. So like, did you get to see God impact their life through your actions? Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say there's a lot that aren't Christians, but there were some that wouldn't necessarily uh, like walk the walk as much. But I'm not going to sit there and just judge them either because, I mean, it's – I am nowhere near able to judge. I'm not the person to judge. It's not my job. My job is just to love them. But, yes, um, I started off in the whole season. I would pray after our in and out every time at the line. Well, after our 
pregame warmups and everything, whenever we're fully done about to start the game, I'd go to the line, kneel down, and pray every single time. And middle towards the end of the season, I had a teammate start joining me. So that was really cool to see and really cool to feel. And we didn't have, like, the best relationship at first, but that definitely grew us closer. I mean, we didn't, like, not like each other, but we were just weren't always around each other. But seeing him join and, and having teammates ask to join is really special. And at the end of the year, just hearing guys tell me how much they appreciated my leadership and my role towards them and how what the attitudes I brought to the field every day was really motivating and knowing God was all a part of that. Yeah, and I really do feel like leadership in a way, like, that really so comes back to God because like leadership at the end of the day, like when we do it the way God intends it, it's servant leadership in a way. Right. And people are going to see it. And like you said, people saw that. And you were talking about praying on the field. Honestly, the first picture that caught my eye was you were praying before and at bat maybe I think is what it was. Mm -hmm. Like, is there like any backstory behind that? Uh, not really. So I saw a, a video online of Tim Tebow saying that he would go to the sidelines and pray really quick before times of stress. And so I kind of just took that to heart and I was like, okay, I'm about to go having a bat. And this is something I love to do, but ultimately this is something I use to glorify God in the end. So I want God to just take full control. So basically I just say, God strengthen me through my successes and failures. Cause I know I'm going to fail a lot and keep my head held high. This is just a game. I play for the glory of you. And, we were created for worship. So that's why I want to use baseball for. I want to use it to worship you as well. So I, I was telling him I'm made to worship. So God, let me worship you. That's really good stuff, bro. So what ended up happening that AB? Oh, man. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I do remember very clearly, though, we were first trying to play us. And I was letting the tensions get a little high to me. And I said, God, just take this from me. This is not a feeling from you. And Lord, let me glorify you here. And I ended up having a really tough bat and hit a single in the right field to get the team going. That's really cool, bro. It's it's really cool to see how God can work through the prayers. Like when you sit there and you pray, like I've got some stories before where like, you know, like I've, sh I've, sh I've shared this one story before where we were down by two runs going into the last inning and I grabbed this one dude who was leading off the inning. I was second and the dude was third after me. We're all three good friends. And I was like, let's pray real quick. And we prayed and we're like, Holy Spirit, just come over us. Like, let's see what happens. First dude hits this ball. That's bro. I'm telling you, it's just a fly ball, dead center, like routine fly ball, honestly. It carries though. The wind takes it home run. And it was like routine. Like I'm telling you, like, there's no way it should have been a home run. I love the kid. He's my roommate and he should have way more power at the plate than he does, but he doesn't try to hit for power. And he just hit a routine fly ball and it just carried. And then I came up and I hit this ball to the shortstop that I'm not even kidding. Like I hit it hard, but like off the bat, I was like, dang, like I just grounded right out at him or no, it was the third baseman. Um, and it just hit this like rock or something, bro. And it just bounced way over his head. Like I was like, oh my goodness. Next dude comes up. He hits one to the shortstop and it hits a rock for him, bounces up, goes way over. Like it was insane, bro. And then we wound up coming back and winning that game and that inning on a walk off from our senior and it was senior day. But it's just so cool to see like what God does through prayer. Cause like people could say, oh, that's just a coincidence. But like, bro, a fly ball that should have been an out, then a ground ball that should have been out, then another ground ball that should have been an out, you know, like that was crazy oh, yeah. to me. Like I was like, wow. You know, but then there's also times where you pray and then it doesn't happen, you know, and those times are hard. I'm not sure how many times you've had those, but I mean, you know, like I've prayed before and then it's like, oh, okay. You know, like this past season, I was out for the entire season. That hurt me, you know, like having to be hurt the entire year of my senior year and 
thinking, well, baseball might be done for me now, but at the end of the day, like God's got a purpose for it. And I think that's what we've got to remember in it, you know, like God's got a purpose. And yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just really like really cool to see, honestly, like hearing you say it's all about worshiping God, you know, like, and like with your story, especially like, obviously you were at a JUCO, like did, did you go JUCO because you wanted to end up going D1 or did you like, what, what is the backstory to that? So I went to JUCO because I had no other options out of high school. Um, my area where I grew up isn't very notorious for their collegiate athletes so me being from that small town yes I had a little bit of success but I didn't really have the the opportunities or I didn't have the overwhelming numbers to raise a lot of attention from colleges across the country so I chose this coach Rob Fournier he took a great chance on me at Wabash Valley and he gave me the opportunity to play there and I'm forever grateful for that and now I'll get to keep continue pursuing my dream so when you went to Wabasha Valley, like, was, like, how, like, how was it? Has it been two years now or has it been longer because of, like, I, I know with all this COVID stuff, like, you know, all the eligibility is all messed up. So, yeah, so I'm a true sophomore going into my true junior year. Uh, I could, the COVID stuff, we counted that for our junior season. Oh, no, our junior college season last year, but it got, it doesn't count whenever I go to the Division One. So I'll be a true junior next year, so. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. I I was kind of thinking that. But so like through through your time there, like did you go in there like a super strong Christian? Like have you always grown up a super strong Christian or have there been things at the JUCO that have strengthened your faith? I mean, I'm sure no matter what it strengthened your faith because I mean, we're not perfect. Like we're always growing, you know what I mean? But like when I guess the question is like when did you make the decision that you were actually going to use the game to glorify God? That like you know, as you said earlier, like this life is simply to worship God. Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, I've, I've always known about God. I wouldn't say I've always been a follower of Christ. I've always known, I've always understood, but I never really took it to heart until about junior year of high school. Um, I never started playing for him truly until this year. I never understood it until this year. I was always kind of playing selfishly. And this year, I noticed a huge difference in how I played whenever I kind of laid it all out there for him. I felt less stressful. I felt less – I felt like I was – I wasn't trying to impress anymore. I wasn't trying to play for anyone's approval anymore. I was strictly just playing for his glory. If I didn't go, do good, I knew he, it didn't matter to him because he still loved me and he was still using me in any sort of way he possibly could. And that goes to the, the strength of me through my successes and failures, Lord. So I try not to keep get too high or get too low and just stay with that positive, neutral mindset and just make sure I keep playing for him. But, yeah, I've always been a – I've always just known God, but I've really became to have a true relationship with him over the past couple of years. And once I got to school, it really took off. I went through some rough patches a little bit, of course, being first year of college, trying to get my feet wet and everything. But then I really honed it in and dialed it in more this year. That's really cool to hear you say like, oh yeah, bro, like it literally made me play better, you know, because you finally realized that your identity wasn't in the game, right? Like that's honestly what it sounds like to me. Like you were able to play free because you understood, all right, if I go 0 for 4 or I go 4 for 4, 
Jesus still loves me, you know? And like, the thing is like, I totally have like that same story too, you know, like in, in high school, I never really like struggled too much on playing. Like I was always like pretty solid, but then after I hurt my shoulder, my senior year, I was told you may never throw again on basically, or even if you do, it might not be the same. That's actually what led me to Jesus. But even once I was led to Jesus, you know, as you were saying, junior high school, you found God, even once I found God, like I still wasn't playing for him. Like I didn't really understand it. You know, like we talked about earlier, like you hear play for his glory, but like, what does that even mean? Right. Um, And so at first I wasn't really playing for him. I was kind of playing for myself. Like, you know, I used to really love the saying, like prove them wrong. Like I want to prove everybody wrong that doubted me that said, because of my shoulder injury, I would never do anything. Like, I just want to prove them wrong, you know, but I realized that's trying to put the glory on myself. That's not trying to put the glory on God. And then finally, once I decided it's time to start putting the glory on God, like, I mean, this year I was hurt, unfortunately, but like last year I was on the all conference team in my conference. And then the year before I was having a really good year before COVID hit like 16 games into the season. Like, and it was not, it was not because of me, but it was because of God, because I was just so much more peaceful on the field, understanding that like the game didn't define me. And like, that's the thing in a game of failure, especially like baseball. I mean, in any sport, when you think it defines you, it's dangerous. I mean, it's that simple. It's really dangerous. But in the game of baseball, when it's a game of failure, if you let baseball define you, it's, it's going to destroy you. Like it, it's literally going to destroy you. Like we, we had a closer, not a closer. We had Mariana Rivera speak at our school, um, um, at a chapel because, um, he's like close friends with my school's president and his son's on my team. Well, not anymore. Cause I'm not, I'm just graduated, but I played, his son was on my team. And, um, so he was speaking though, and he was talking about when he blew a game in the world series, but how, as much as it sucked and he was so frustrated, he had God to turn to, you know, but there was a dude who didn't have God to turn to and he blew a game in the world series. And I forget his name, but he killed himself. And like, he literally killed himself because of it. And it's just so sad because so many athletes and so many people, even people who are Christ followers, like put their identity into the sport without even realizing they're doing it. Cause I think me and you could both agree, like, you know, from your junior year till this year, and just like me from my freshman year until whatever, like, well, I mean, before my freshman year of college too, I was putting my identity in baseball without even realizing it, even when I was following Jesus. And like, it's so dangerous because then when you have a bad day, it takes you to such a bad place. But then look at that. Like you put your identity in God, you understand no matter what you do, he gets the glory and you're number two in the nation in batting average. And like, that's crazy, bro. Like that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, what another thing that's also really cool is God's omnipresent. So he's with us wherever we go and no matter where we are. I mean, it sounds silly, but I'm in the outfield sometimes. I just start talking to him. I'm like, God, you're good. I mean, yeah, I don't even talk about the game to him. I'm just like praising him for how good he is and how faithful he is. But going back to the Mario Rivera story, yeah, that's that's an issue in today's world nowadays because people put so much stress on themselves with social media, with all this and that, because people see all the backlash they get for blowing a game. We're not perfect. Us athletes are not perfect. Nowhere near perfect. Never claim to be. Never will claim to be. And you get also all kinds of hate just for blowing a game, quote unquote, blowing a game. No, you don't blow a game. You just lose a game. What do you do? A loss is something you can turn around and, and bounce back for the next day. If not the next day, the next season. So the fact that people take it that much heart is scary and it's terrifying. And that just shows how good God is whenever you truly let them take over. Almost let them play your game for you. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I think sometimes like when people have so much success too, you know, they don't even realize how much it's impacting their identity, you know, because they're not used to doing bad. But then when they finally start getting to a rough place, they start going through a stump slump. They start getting so frustrated, you know, like I remember throughout my first few years of college, like when I was just like, I had started following Christ, but like I was putting so much pressure on myself and I was just so like anxious all the time on the field, truthfully. And I remember the, the one, the year that I finally started to play better, my dad saw this picture cause they, I'm far from home. So like, they just saw some pictures and he was like, that's the first time I've seen you smiling on, on a baseball field since high school. And like, I'm not going to lie in high school, I wasn't following Jesus and I was still smiling on a field, but like, Jesus was what did that for me because I finally took the pressure off myself because I understood that it didn't define me. Like whether I had a great year or a terrible year at the end of the day, yeah, I want to have a good year because one, I want to help my team, but it also doesn't define who I am as a person, you know, and being hurt this year showed me that even more being able to have some freshmen tell me like Chandler, like the way you led despite being hurt, like it impacted me so much. Like I want to lead like you, like, those type of comments when you're hurt and you're not even able to play, it just hit me because it like reminded me like, dang, like no matter what I'm doing, I can have an impact on somebody. It's up to me if I'm going to, it's up to the way that I respond to the situation that's thrown at me. Right. And that's the, that's just what's like so important to remember because we're going to have hard situations thrown at us, but are we going to choose joy? Because like the thing is, is I think so often we, we think joy is a feeling, you know, we think joy is supposed to always feel great. But what joy is, is we could feel terrible, but we still have joy because joy is a choice when we follow Jesus because he freely gives it to us, but it's up to us if we choose to take it. And you could be going through it. You could be feeling terrible. Like you could not be happy actually because happiness and joy also aren't the same thing. You could be upset, sad, whatever, but you could still have joy because you understand that God is still in control. And God has already won the battle, you know? It's like, I put on a game that I already know. Like, for example, Notre Dame, which I wanted Tennessee. I mean, I didn't really want Tennessee to win necessarily because of their antics. And I'm also a Florida fan, but I was kind of rooting for them in a way. And Notre Dame just beat them. And if I were to throw that game on later tonight and I was a Notre Dame fan, then I wouldn't be freaking out watching it because I would know that they already won. Now, there might be a few times where I'm like, oh, my goodness, that was a terrible call. Like, come on. But I would quickly just be like, all right, whatever, because I understood that that terrible call didn't actually end up defining the outcome. And that's how our life is at the end of the day. Like, yeah, we may have some terrible things happen to us. Yeah, life is going to suck at times. But no matter what happens, it's not going to define the outcome because Jesus already won the victory on the cross. Right. And like that's something that we need to remember in sports in whatever sport it is, especially if it's a baseball player out there listening right now, because like it's a game of failure, you know. Absolutely. You, you fail seven out of 10 times and you'll be in the hall of fame. You'll be making a lot of money one day. So yeah, you just got to take that in the heart and know the failures will come. I mean, look at Jesus's walk on this earth. He was denied multiple times. I mean, three times by the same person. So, I mean, you got to understand that failures are going to come. You just got to accept them and go and just accept that God's still guiding you through this. No matter what you think is going on, you will never know until you trust God fully. And even then you still don't really fully know. But I just kind of take the verse Joshua 1, 9 into heart. I, I wrote it on the bill of my cap during this season. It's, uh, for I've not commanded you to be strong and courageous. Do not be, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that just gave me so much peace that like, 
he's with me in every season, every moment, every pitch, every play. Every time I lace up those cleats, he's there with me. Every time I walk off that field, he's there with me. No matter what, he will be right there with me. And I'm commanded to be strong and courageous. I'm not commanded to be afraid or discouraged. So that kind of just puts that into perspective. Like, hey, I'm supposed to be bold here. I'm supposed to proclaim here. I'm supposed to have a smile on my face. I'm not supposed to be down. So that just kind of really helps boost me as well. Yeah, exactly, bro. And it's like, there's going to be times where we don't want to have a smile on our face. And there's going to be times where we don't put that smile on our face for a little bit, but it's reminding ourselves, like you just said right there, like, all right, I need to be strong and courageous. All right, I need to put my trust in the Lord, because even though I'm feeling terrible right now, Jesus is still with me. And, you know, it's like even in baseball games, you know, like what I used to like to do. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm done or not yet. Still haven't fully made the decision. I'm working full time in the church right now. So I'm not 100% sure how it's going to work for me. But um, what I used to do, what I might still do, who knows? Um, I, I like when I go up to the plate saying me and you, Jesus, because like when I say me and you, Jesus, bro, it's just like a reminder to me that like this isn't about me and anybody else. It's about me and Jesus. Like he's the one with me. And if I fail, like you said, through failures and through successes, he's with us. The glory is his. Like, you know, I remember, I'm not sure if you're a big football fan and a lot of people were mad at this when it happened, but like, it was so cool to me to see when the Bears kicker, he uh, missed that field goal against the Eagles. And I'm an Eagles fan. So number one, I was excited that it was that doink off, whatever. I was like, thank the Lord, like that double doink. I was like, let's go. Cause I, I'm an Eagles fan. But then, you know, the kicker after he misses the field goal points up to God and you know, a lot of people were like so mad about it. But like, to me, I was like, that's beautiful. Like he did the right thing. Like he gave glory to God, even through his failures. He was able to thank God, even when God did not give him what he wanted. And like, that's one of the hardest things to do, especially in the moment. Like the fact that this dude was so strong in his faith to be able to look up to God in the moment of missing a field goal to win a big playoff game and point up to God. Like, I don't know if I could have done that. Like, honestly, I would be really mad. Like when I strike out in big moments, I want to throw stuff sometimes, you know, and like, I've got to calm myself down, but it's like, he was able to point up to the sky after missing like the biggest field goal of probably his career. Like that's insane to me. And it's just a reminder to us of how we should treat failure, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Failure is inevitable. I mean, no matter what you do, if, if you're playing a sport or not, you're going to fail at some point. It's how you handle it. That's how you show your true character and your true walk with God. I mean, that, that moment right there, I remember exactly what you're talking about. That was a beautiful moment. I thought so as well. Like it's hard to give glory to God when you're struggling. It's easy to do it when you're on top of the mountain, but it's just, it's so hard to do it when it's like, if you're over 20, how in the world do you, do you think someone's going to handle that? And if they give glory to God through that, that is a true man of God. That is a true disciple of Christ. And that is really beautiful to see. I love watching people glorify God through their failures. I don't like watching people fail, but when they give glory to God through that, it's really motivating. And you know, their heads on, are on good shoulders and their hearts in the right place. It's, like, it's crazy to think about because a lot of people like to think that the biggest part of giving God glory through our sport is having success. And don't get me wrong, having success can bring glory to God. It definitely can. It definitely will, as long as our actions align with that success. Because like, think about, you know, um, if you're running around first base and you flick off the outfield when it burns them, um, like somebody, um, and I'm not saying anything about this dude, because, you know, in the moment, things can happen. I don't know where his heart is. So I'm not saying he's not, I don't even know if he's a Christian or not. I don't even know anything about him. So I'm not trying to say he's not a Christian by any means. 
Um, but like when you're doing that, and if after the game you want to say, oh yeah, that double, all glory to God, that's pretty hard to do because you just flicked off the outfield while you were rounding first base. And that's not saying that you're not going to make mistakes. Like this past fall, I remember I struck out. No, I didn't strike out. I hit this stupid little pop fly ball thing in between like short and center with bases loaded in like a fall game against a junior college. And there was bases loaded, no outs. And I was so heated. And these dudes in the dugout were just chirping at me. And last year when people chirped at me, I'm not even joking with you. I either didn't answer or I would smile at them or I would say, Jesus loves you. Like one of those three, I would do it. But I was having success when they were chirping at me. So I was just like, I don't care. Like there was one time I got chirped at when I was like three for four against them. And I was like, dude, you guys like, I, like chirp at me. I don't care. But now I'm struggling. I was like, oh, for two at this point, I think in the fall game, it was fall. It really didn't matter at the end of the day, but like I'm over two, I think at this point I do that and they're chirping. And, you know, in my head, my thought wasn't even Jesus loves you. I started cursing at them. I started cursing these dudes out. And like, there's some freshmen on my team that, you know, had just gotten to start to get to know me. And they're seeing me who's talking about being a Christian, who's got a platform on TikTok, who spoke at the first athlete chapel and like preached and gave a word and he's cursing at the other dugout, you know, and you know, and obviously I had to take ownership of that and tell them that wasn't right. And that's why I'm saying, even with that Tennessee player, like we don't know where he is spiritually. It's not my place to judge that. He could have just made a mistake. We, we all make mistakes, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, it's just a reminder to us why we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. The Bible calls us to hold ourselves to a higher standard because people are going to be watching. And the fact of the matter is, you know, you may think that that person may never see anything you do ever. But the funniest thing ever to me is obviously the way I met you was through that sports account that um, I run with uh, one of my like friends from high school who's now like, I don't even know, he's like older than me though. But like, we've been running the account for like maybe half a year now, something like that, maybe a little bit longer now, probably like a year. But um, anyway, like this one dude from the school that I cursed out followed the account and he messaged me the other day on the account saying, who runs this account? You guys are the goat. And so I told them whatever, like it's two dudes, whatever. And then I ended up telling him who I was. And I was like, yeah, I was a catcher for that team. And in my head, I was like, I really hope he doesn't realize that was me. Because then if he looks me up, he's going to see, you know, youth pastor in my bio. And he's going to be like, oh, dang, this is a youth pastor. And he was cursing me out. And it goes deeper than just my team, right? Like, and it's just such a reminder. Because I used to love to talk trash on the field. And then finally, when I realized that my job was to give glory to God, that's when I stopped doing that. But I still slip up sometimes, obviously, like in the fall I did. But I think it's just about owning that mistake when you do make it and being like, all right, I, I, I was wrong. And understanding that we do need to hold ourselves to a higher standard because the actions we take on the field are more important than our success. Like you said, somebody fails or somebody succeeds, cool. They can still give glory to God, but their actions are what is going to let them give glory to God the most. Yeah, man, it goes into the actions speak louder than words. I mean, I've taken that to heart. Man. You can, uh, it's just so tough because you let emotions get the best of you. I've been there, I've done that. And how vulnerable you are is, is crucial to this walk as well. Being a vulnerable Christian and, and knowing that you mess up and accepting that you've messed up, but being able to move on and still glorify God that next like minute or even next second is what's huge because he knows we mess up. He knows before we even mess up, we're going to mess up. Like, 
he just knows and that's just how it works but being able to be vulnerable with yourself and with others around you is crucial as well that's how you grow that's how you learn and that's how you become stronger in your faith as well that's how someone else can become even just starting their faith that's how someone can get to know that like that dude you just talked about the message you for the that that account you have i mean that dude may may understand that hey this dude did do that to me but now he's learned or maybe he's just he's 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 forgiven he's redeemed he's he's now he's chosen he's not forsaken so i mean it's, it can go into a lot more than that and that we are not defined by how we mess up or not defined how or the things we do it's we're defined by our walk with jesus yeah and i really like how you said we're not defined by the things we do but we're defined by our walk with jesus you know because like i forget what verse it is but it's basically like god doesn't delight in like what we do but he delights in when we fear him and when we love him you know and there's different words in that it's like something about like a horse or something i forget but basically that's the meaning of the verse i think it's in like proverbs or psalms but oops but um anyway though but like it's just so important for us to actually understand that and actually understand that we're not about just trying to modify behavior right that's something that i've really like that's something I'm really big on when it comes to like youth ministry. Like I'm not doing this to just modify people's behavior, you know? And as I'm thinking about this, I really realize, you know, the Bible says that if we live by the spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh, you know? And it all comes down to the Holy spirit. You know, when we have the Holy spirit in our lives, that's when the inside is clean because the Bible says when the inside is clean, the outside will follow. And as I was looking into that, for the longest time, whenever people be like, oh, inside is clean, I would always think, all right, read my Bible, pray, all this stuff, that's how I'm going to clean the inside. And like, that's part of it, because it is a constant thing that we need to be doing to grow our relationship with God. But at the end of the day, in order for the outside to be clean and the actions to follow, our actions aren't going to make those actions happen. The action of me reading the Bible is good, right? Like, I'm learning more about God, I'm getting closer to him. But if I don't have the Holy Spirit in my life, none of that's going to matter. But when we get the Holy Spirit and when we actually like learn who the Holy Spirit is to us, right? Like our life will literally like change because the Bible says, if you live by the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. And you're not going to be perfect by any means. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We can't try to act like we are. But through that, the fact of the matter is, even though we may not be perfect, we're striving to live that holy life and we're not doing it just because we think that, oh, these actions are going to make God proud. Like, yeah, God will um, be glad that we're living a life for him in a way, but at the end of the day, he's not glad because of the actions we're taking, but because of the way that we're fearing him and loving him, because that's what he cares about. You know, the Pharisees were a perfect example of people doing a lot of things that from the outside, it would have looked like, oh, dang, like they've got it together like they're Christians, like they're good people, right? Like they're the religious leaders, but no, like just because they were doing those actions, it literally didn't matter. They were doing things that were meaningless because their inside wasn't clean. And that's just like, to me, like that's the biggest thing. Like cleaning the inside is honestly, like if somebody asked me, what is the biggest thing that you want somebody to understand in four years or eight years or one year that you think is the biggest thing of the inside is clean? Because I think too often as Christians, we try to do it on our own strength and we simply weren't created to do it on our own. I love how you talked about the inside being clean, but the kind of build on that is we're in a society nowadays. that's so instant. We have these cell phones that we can send a message to someone across the whole country in a matter of seconds. 
we get things so instantly and we want things so instantly that we that we almost demand it but we have to understand that it takes time cleaning the inside it's like cleaning your house if you want to clean the inside of your house that will take time it does not happen in three seconds it might take you 30 minutes heck it might take you two hours it will take time and we have to understand that and that comes with patience it's we need to be patient in that aspect as well and cleaning the inside i just think about this the moment when jesus was on the cross we always talk about the nails in the hands and the feet but i want to think about this, the piercing in his side and whenever it, like, as he started pouring out it wasn't dirty it wasn't unclean it was clean the bible says that, that you'll that you'll that the spirit will come in you and you will have what is it rivers of living water flow through you that's just that's huge dude like that's so like imagine how clean that is coming from god and the fact that he was living and then he got punctured and nothing it was like as far as i remember it wasn't dirty at all it was water that poured out of him so that's just that's that's crucial man is that you have that relationship with god and it really transform you from the inside out and that you'll be clean on the inside and then pure on the inside and then it starts reflecting on your outside it's almost like it's almost like a glow that you have walking around yeah, no, that's totally facts, bro, you know, and, like, I've been reading um, some of Acts lately, bro, and, like, that's such a powerful, like, just, like, book um, in the Bible, like, because it's just, like, I don't know, bro, just how it talks about the Holy Spirit, because, like, I was writing a sermon for not this week or next week, the following week, um, for a series I'm doing about living in such a time as this, you know, because, like, we live in a world, like you said, instant gratification. We also live in a world that is counter to everything christian right like if i tell you you're wrong then i hate you if i don't want to approve of your sin then now i don't love you which is baffling to me because i don't understand that concept like if i don't approve of your sin it doesn't mean i don't love you it just means i don't approve of it and also if you're not a christian the only way i'm going to tell you i don't approve of it is if you ask me so you asked me and now you're going to be mad at me when you asked me the question like you know but we live in that type of world where it can be scary to spread the gospel where it can be like, well, why would God create me in this time? But like, I'm doing a series about how, no, like God created you for a unique purpose for such a time as this, because he's created all of us in this time for a purpose on purpose. And the first one I'm doing is about how the inside needs to be clean. Because if we don't understand that aspect of it, then nothing else is going to matter. Because if I try to do it on my own, as we both have been talking about, it's not going to matter. But when the inside is clean, and then as I'm doing this, I wrote the beginning part of it, and I felt like I was getting to the part of actually talking about what the inside being clean looked like. And I felt God telling me, just like, wait, just like, wait to write this for a day. And I was like, all right, whatever. And so I waited. And the next day, I like Ezekiel, I don't want to say the verse exactly because I don't want to be wrong, but I think it was like 327 or something. I think that's what it was. I forget how, but I randomly got to it. And I was talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was going to like basically be what leads you to act the right way. Like how God was like, you're going to end up getting the Holy Spirit and you're going to end up acting the right way. Like essentially God was like, look, when you get the Holy Spirit, it's going to clean your inside and now your outside is going to follow. And so I was like, all right, I wonder like with the Holy Spirit, like where are our verses in the Bible that talk about receiving the Holy Spirit? You know, like, and Acts, I decided because of this, after I saw like Acts 2, I think it's in the forties, but it was talking about like repent and be baptized and you know, you will be um, forgiven for your sins. And there's a lot of, I'm not going to get into it, but like the, the Greek words, you have to like 
look really deep into it like for like the word like you know being baptized isn't actually washing away your sins it's in regard to it because jesus washes it away when we accept them and all that stuff because the greek word actually means in regard to but nobody cares about that right now so i'm not going to get into any of that but like i was reading this verse bro and it just hit me because it says that after people heard this because they were there's a bunch of people that basically got the holy spirit and some people thought these dudes were drunk and so they were like making fun of them and then Peter, I think it was, was like, no, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. They've received the Holy Spirit. He quoted like Old Testament scripture about how like, you know, this would happen. And then these, it says that these people were cut to the heart and how these people wanted to know what they should do about this. And so that's when Peter said, repent, be baptized and you'll get the whole, like, it because, like, in, like in regard to your, in regard to Jesus washing away your sins or whatever, and you will have the Holy Spirit. And that ends up saying after that, that God was adding to the numbers like every day by hundreds or whatever. And it's just such a reminder, like God was adding to the numbers. Like God was doing the work. Like God was the one working through Peter. The Holy Spirit was the one working through them and it was adding to it because the Holy Spirit was attracting these people around them. It had nothing to do with what any of those people did on their own, but what the Holy Spirit was doing through them. And I just wonder if as Christians, we decided to get to that place of, all right, I'm going to do my part, obviously. You know, for example, Peter had to do the part of standing up and proclaiming the gospel and telling the truth, right? But he did that because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, because in Acts 4, it says that they spoke the word of God boldly after they got the Holy Spirit, you know, it says they received the Holy Spirit and then they spoke that, spoke the word of God boldly. It doesn't say they spoke the word of God boldly and then received the Holy Spirit. And that's what we look over so often. You know, I think so often we try to teach these people who don't know Jesus, like, oh, you need to do all this stuff. Like you're a sinner. Like you're terrible. You're this, you're that. And yes, if they ask me a question, if they ask me, is it a sin? I'm not going to lie to them. You know, we can't approve of sin. Like a lot of people are mad about so much stuff going on in the world right now, like the race situation, all that stuff that happened there and, you know, all that stuff. And like the fact of the matter is literally, if you read the quote from Jason Adam, he was like, look, at the end of the day, like, I love them. I care about them. They're welcome here. But I feel like wearing this patch, it's approving of it. And I wouldn't approve of any other sin. But it's funny because in all these social media accounts, they're not including the part of it's the same as any other sin. You don't see that anywhere. So, but then you go look up the quote and you're like, oh, he literally said it's the same thing as sex before marriage. It's the same thing as, you know, any sin. And it's like, you don't got to approve of sin, right? So if somebody asks me, I'm not going to approve of it. I'm also not going to approve of it and say, oh, you do you, 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 that's amazing. However, I'm also not going to look at them and tell them you need to change that before you come to Jesus. No, come to Jesus. And something that I love telling people is look, if you are struggling with whatever it is, if you are doing something that you feel like God would hate you for, but you think it's stupid that God would like not want you to do that, tell God how you feel about it. Pray to him and say, God, this is so stupid. Like, why would you create me like this? And why, why, like, why, like, why would you let me struggle with this? Like, tell God how you feel. God's not going to be mad at you for how you feel, you know? And that's what I love to tell people because it would be really easy as Christians to look at somebody and say, oh, you need to change. You need to do this. You need to do that. But once we become Christians, that type of righteous correction is needed, but not before somebody is a Christian. 
And if you try to make them change their behavior before they meet Jesus, it's not going to do anything. And I think that's where we go wrong as Christians. You know, our first step should be, no, come as you are. Pray to Jesus. Tell him how you feel. You can tell him that you think it's incredibly stupid. You can tell him that you think people are really mean to you. But at the end of that prayer, maybe pray, but God, no matter what, just reveal yourself to me if you're there and see what he'll do through that, you know? And that's just what I think is so important for us to get through our head. Absolutely. Going on into that, um, he says, we were created for love, by love, in love. So that's what we, that's ultimately like what we're supposed to do. We're, we are called to love and loving is it, your parents love you, but they discipline you as well. Like, yes, they will love you unconditionally till the day you die. But they're also going to be the ones that say, hey, you're messing up. So here you go. They're going to, they're going to do whatever they need to do to discipline you, whatever, whatever, whatever that looks like. And when we pray to God, we say, Heavenly Father. Okay, that's our Father we're talking to. That's our Heavenly, that's our ultimate, ultimate guider, our protector, our lover. And people get on to, people get mad at God for things not going the right way, but maybe He's disciplining you for something you've done or what. Or maybe He's trying to just let you learn the hard way, maybe. It's like our parents let us do that all the time. You have to learn the hard way sometimes. And people get on to God for that. And I'm like, why, why? Like, just learn from it. Thank him for this. Thank him for you having to learn this way. Thank you for him even still loving you because he doesn't need us. He wants us. He desires a relationship with us. And that's what people don't understand is they take him for granted saying like, this, the, people just don't understand. They don't take advantage of the opportunity to, to be with God. And it's like, he doesn't need us whatsoever. He's still sitting on his kingdom with his son in his right hand. Like, and he has, he has beings circling him constantly, praising and worshiping him. They, I mean, they, I can go deeper into that, but I'll save us time. But those beings are constantly praising and worshiping. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He desires us. He's longing for us. Like he, it, it breaks his heart when he sees people turn from him. He wants us to be with him in paradise. So people got to understand that. God wants us so much that he's willing to let us go through times of trouble, sorrow, pain, difficulties, just to be able to learn and grow from that and be able to be with him in, in the long run. We have to quit thinking about the short run and start thinking about the long run and how we can really be with God through this and have to start taking more accountability for our actions and start really understanding that each thing we do every day is building up to the day of judgment, to the day that we come meet him face to face. And I don't know about I don't know about people listening right now, but I want to hear well done, my good and faithful one. You you may enter. Like I want to be like that. And I've always said that I've said this to many people that I've had to talk to, that you have a person come into your house asking if they can stay tonight and you have no idea who they are. You would not let them in. That's the same with God's kingdom. If he, if he has no idea who you are, he will say, depart, depart from me for I never knew you. And that is the scariest thing to ever think about hearing. So I'm just trying to build the biggest relationship with him possible now. And that's, and that's created on love, for love and by love, in love. And that's how I'm trying to spread it too, is by love as well. That's ultimately what this whole thing is. Yeah, that's really good. And that love word is just so interesting to think about because a lot of people want to be like, oh, well, if you loved me, you wouldn't discipline me. But it's like you said earlier, like your parent loves you and they discipline you for that reason. And like in Hebrews, I think it's like 12, 13, or I forget exactly what verse. I think it's in chapter 12 though, but it talks about how no discipline in the moment is pleasant. Like it's not, it, it's gonna hurt. It's painful is what it says. However, it says that the fruit of the discipline pretty much is gonna produce righteousness and it's gonna basically grow your faith. Those aren't the exact words that, but that's basically what it's saying. It's like, look, discipline in the moment, 
not going to be fun. You know, I'm not going to lie. When somebody tells me that I need to change something, it really annoys me sometimes. I'm like, oh, who are you to tell me that? You know, like that's like my first reaction sometimes. But like the fact of the matter is after I really sit down and pray about it and think about it, I'm like, dang, like that is true. Like I need to change that. Like they're speaking truth right now out of love because they want to see me grow. And if we can't take discipline like that, then that's dangerous because we need to grow. Like we should always be wanting to grow. And like the Bible literally says, it's one of my favorite verses because the first time I read it, I kind of like, my jaw dropped because I was like, is that in the Bible? But it basically said that whoever hates discipline is stupid. Like it literally said that. It said whoever hates discipline is stupid. I think it was Proverbs somewhere. But I was like, the Bible actually says like they're just stupid. Like I kind of laughed because I was like, that's crazy. You know, but like if we hate discipline, like we're stupid is what the Bible tells us. I mean, I'm not trying to like make anybody out there feel terrible about themselves, but like you should love discipline because at the end of the day, like if you don't, the reason you're stupid about it is because now you're not going to grow. And if you don't grow 20 years from now, you're going to be the same person. 30 years from now, you're going to be the same person. 40 years from now, you're going to be the same person. And the craziest part about it is, you know, you were talking about how God um, saying, I like, I hope to hear from God. Um, well done, my good and faithful servant, not depart from me. I never knew you. But the most interesting thing about that verse to me is that God not God, the people in those situations that were told to part, they were like, but I did all this. I did all this. I did all this. And he was like, but I never knew you, you know? And that's like that, that example you gave. I, I love that example. Cause it's just like, yeah, you did all those things, but you did it without me. And that's an example of doing it from the outside in instead of the inside out, because we can do everything good in the world, but it's not going to matter if it's not with Jesus, you know? And if we do have Jesus, yeah, we're going to do a lot of good things. We are but it's going to have worth because we're with Jesus. It's just like prayer with not prayer action without prayer is meaningless. A lot of people these days are like, I don't want any more prayers. I just want action, you know? Um, but here's the thing. If we don't pray that action we take is going to be meaningless. And honestly, I don't think that the reason some of these things are happening is because, I mean, it, there is some lack of action where there needs to be action, but I also question where the prayer is. A lot of people say thoughts and prayers, they tweet it, but are they actually praying? Because this is something I'm really convicted on, you know, I'll tell somebody, yeah, praying for you, but then I don't pray for them. And that's why now, whenever I tell somebody praying for you, I like to pray for them right in that moment. Because then I'm like, you know what? I'm praying for them right now. Because instead of saying, oh yeah, I'll pray for you and then never pray for them, that's terrible. Like I just told somebody I'd pray for them and I'm not. So it's just like, <clears throat> prayer is so important. And it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to hit at any like really soft topics for some people by any means, because there's a lot of stuff going on in this world that's completely terrible, obviously, um, that just like, it's so sad. But I do wonder what this world would be like if people were people of prayer, like truly people of prayer, not just saying thoughts and prayers, because I think that's where the problem is. I don't think the problem is that we need action without prayer, because that's not the problem. The thing is, we need prayer comboed with action, because action without prayer is meaningless, but where is the prayer? And that's my question. I don't think that I mean, there's people praying out there, I'm sure, but I just wonder out of everybody that says, oh, prayers for them. 
how many of them are actually praying, right? And I fall into that category sometimes. Like, I'm not saying it's not me too, you know? I'm not trying to look at somebody and say, oh, you're so terrible that you're doing that. No, like, it's me too. But like, prayer needs to happen. It's essential, right? I love that. So going into the prayer part, we talk about our relationship with God and these earthly relationships, you always get advice growing up, like communication is key. Communication is important. So if we're going to focus on our earthly relationships with communication, why don't we focus on our heavenly relationship with communication as well? And that communication is prayer. You can try to have a relationship with God, but without communication, it goes nowhere. You get nowhere. You're not being led. And communication is a two-way street. You listen and you talk. So you have to be able to have that quiet time just to listen to God as well and understand that, hey, he's trying to speak to me through this, and you have to be obedient. Because if, you, if you're on earth, if you do not speak to your spouse, and then you just, like, y'all do not speak for, I don't know, two weeks, it'd be like you've met a whole new person in that two weeks, man. People change. People grow. God never changes. He stays the same. But us as people, we grow. We change. We become different. So God needs us to keep continually pursuing him and talking to him daily. And this is daily, all the time. We need help through everything we do. So we have to continue to pursue that action, pursue that faith. And yeah, I am also convicted of that as well. When you talk about people saying, hey, I need prayer. And I say, hey, yeah, I got you. I'm convicted of that too. Yeah, I'll put my phone down. I'll forget about it sometimes. I try my best to do it right there in the moment. But a lot of times I will forget and do it. I'm not perfect by any means. Never claim to be, never will claim to be. All I know is I serve a perfect God who is perfect, who is promising. And that his plans are for us to prosper. So I do serve that perfect God. I'm never going to claim to be perfect, nor will I ever. You can really feel really distant from him and I try to bring him with me wherever I go yeah and that's really cool that you're talking about you know feeling distant from him because you know even like going back to that one day where I cursed out that one dugout like I hadn't been spending a lot of time with God so it was way easier for me to have that first reaction because I wasn't really thinking about Jesus in those moments because I wasn't really focused on him, you know? And it's crazy what actually spending time with Jesus will do for us, you know? Like, because we can't do it on our own. Like, we can't, as we've been talking about. It's impossible. Like, we're never going to do enough on our own. And when we spend that quiet time with him, when we, when we get to, <coughs> well, when we actually get to listen to his voice, right? Like, and like listen just listen and sometimes you're gonna listen and i mean i'm not gonna lie like i've never heard the voice of god truthfully but i've sat there and i've just like listened and sometimes i feel like god speaks through thoughts and a way to even like test it is all right well does this align with his word you know because like he's not going to tell you something that doesn't align with his word and it's just about being discerning through it but like there's been times where i felt a random urge like oh i need to tell this person this and it was just a random thought that came into my head and I've been scared before because I've been like, oh, like, what if it's just a random thought? But then I'm always reminded, well, is this edifying? Is this going to be kind to them? Is this going to, you know, is this something that God would want? And I'm like, yeah, it could be. It, it can't hurt. So, yeah, I'm going to do it. And there's been multiple times, the majority of the time when I've done it, not majority, like, honestly, every time that I've done it, because there, there's been times where I've decided not to do it, too. I'm not going to lie. You know, like, there's been times where I felt something on my heart and I've been too scared to do it. Um, the majority of the time though, God's worked through it. Like they've been like, dang, I really needed that right now. And like, that's the craziest thing to me because then it also makes me think about, well, what about the times that I decided not to speak out? What about the times that I decided not to say nothing? You know, like one of my teammates who I love this dude, like he was a freshman this past year and he got hurt. Um, and he was out for the season as well. Um, he was one of our pitchers and literally like 
he threw long toss before the game and he was going to warm up in the pen and like it just was bad and he ended up tearing his labrum and rotator cuff I think um and you know I in the moment was like I need to pray for this dude but in the back of my head I was like oh he's gonna get so mad at me if I tell him like can we pray right now when like he's super upset or whatever and so I didn't pray for him in that moment because I was like I don't know what his reaction will be but then you know what I was like later that night I just felt like so like convicted of it by God like are you like are you kidding me and so I messaged him because like I really care about this dude like I do like it's not like I just wanted to pray for him just to show him like oh I'm this Christian no like I care about this dude and I was like I really care about him I'm not going to pray for his injury like that's terrible and <clears throat> goodness and so I went down to so I didn't so I texted him I was like yo like what are you doing he was like I'm just in my room and I was like can I come down and pray for you or whatever and he was like of course and so and then we ended up talking. He was like, bro, thank you so much. Like, he was so thankful for it, you know? And I told him straight up. I was like, bro, honestly, I wanted to at the game. But, like, I was kind of scared. And he was like, I wouldn't have been mad at you. Like, that would have been really cool. And it was just a reminder, like, dude, like, so often I think we, like, overthink things. Like, we feel God lay it on our heart to go tell somebody something, to do something. But then we don't do it. And now we have to wonder, well, what would have happened? The worst thing that can happen is they could look at you and say no. The worst thing that could happen is they could look at you and curse you out. You know what? They could. But here's the thing. This is a pretty crazy story right here. So there was this girl that was uh, challenged by her youth pastor um, to bring somebody to church, right? Like to bring friends to, to, to her youth event, right? And she was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And she asked this one dude. And so she asked this dude and his first reaction was to start cursing her out. Like he started cursing her out like church, like me. That's crazy. But then she was like, the girl you like is going to be there. So he was like, all right, fine. Well, he went to the youth night that night and he got saved. And fast forward to going into my freshman year of college. So 2017, um, he's, I, go to my, I go to church for the first time in like, since basically a long time, because I was only going at like Christmas time or whatever. And I went to this young adult service at this Assemblies of God church, this Pentecostal church. And this dude's on the stage preaching and my life was changing. He was the dude on that stage preaching that night. The one that cursed out a girl about not wanting to go to youth group. Um, he was on a stage preaching and I was, I gave my life back to Christ that night because of his message. And I think back to it and I found out the story this past summer. So I didn't know this for multiple years, but I found out the story this past summer from a message that he was given this past summer when I was home. And it hit me in that moment. You never know what little small CG plant could end up doing, not only for somebody else, but for other people. Because I never thought I'd be a youth pastor. I always wanted baseball, baseball, baseball. And I mean, if I get an opportunity to keep playing baseball while being a youth pastor and it's financially affordable and all those things now that I would have to do grad school, um, a million percent, like if it was actually able to happen, I would. I don't really think it's going to, but um, just because of like time too that I have working a job, you know, not very easy. But either way, I may not be a youth pastor right now if that girl did not invite that dude to church and that dude, like, it's, it baffles my mind, bro. Like, the way God can work through something that, like, small. Like, we think it's small. Like, let me go invite somebody to church. Let me go tell somebody this one small thing. But it could set off a chain effect that we didn't even realize, you know? Right. And the Bible says that faith like a mustard seed. So that's, that just shows how small it has to be sometimes. Yeah, like, when you're so discouraged or when you're so unsure of what you should do just have that little bit of faith like that girl had it's like hey come to church with me okay he starts cussing you out hey someone's going to be there 
okay, fine, I'm going to go. That's still having faith. That's not giving up. I mean, yes, don't, 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 don't smother them like you do a fire because then flames go out. Keep flame. So that's what you have to do. Just if it's slow, if it's slow, fans, okay. But if, if you have to really do do what you have to do, don't don't overdo it as well. I think that's what we get to sometimes with modern Christianity is some sometimes people kind of like force God onto them, and that's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to force them. We're supposed to plant the seed, we're, and God's supposed to nurture it. God's supposed to be the one to water it and all that. So we have to set the foundation, and God and let God do the rest. And God's so good. He, he's so faithful. And he's so promising that. He will do the rest, and uh, that's just so good. I can remember this one God moment I had when we were talking about, I think God speaks, speaks to you through images. I can relate because I was at church one day at school, and I was praying. I was worshiping, all that, and, you know, and I saw a match in my head. I looked to the dude left of me, to the left of me. I'll never forget this moment, and I said, hey, what does a match mean to you? He said, I have no idea right now. I was like, okay, well, I think God's telling me to give you this match. And I gave him like a spiritual match, I guess. And then so I, I went home for a weekend to go see my parents. And I was at the gym on the treadmill. Not even kidding. You were walking to warm up to work out. I get a call from this guy. He said, hey, two days ago, I had this moment. And you remember that match you gave me spiritually? I was like, yeah, of course. He's like, that match? Some lady came up to me at a Bible study and said, hey, I saw God lighting a match into this room filled with the Holy Spirit. The room was, was lit of lit ablaze by the Holy Spirit with that match. And it looked like that you had that match. And I was like, that's just awesome. That's a God moment you cannot make up. That's so cool, bro, to see how God like can work through crazy stories. Like, you know, when people want to tell me, oh, God's not real, I tell them crazy stories like that. Like another crazy story, bro, this is insane. Um, this has nothing to do with sports at the end of the day, but insanity. So there's, I could get this number wrong because I'm not going to lie. I don't know how many chapters are in the Bible, but it's like 926 or something like that. I don't even know. But anyway, there is this one time where I prayed to God and I was like, God, if you really want this thing to happen, lead me to this, to this chapter in the Bible. And it's not like I was opening up a random Bible so I could kind of know the area to go. No, I was online on a random Bible verse generator. So it was just pressing a button like literally just random. And I was like, lead me to this chapter in this book. So like, I think uh, it was like, you know, whatever, right. And land on that chapter. And it was a 0.01% chance for that to happen. And that's what the Bible generator landed on. And in that moment, I was like, wow, like, you know what, if you want to call that coincidence, <laughs> you can go ahead. But 925 out of 926 times, that's not going to happen. If that is the right number, I think it might be, but I'm not for sure. I don't know how many chapters there are for sure. But like, bro, it's insane to think about those moments. And then, but yeah, bro, I mean, honestly, we're, we're, we're getting ready to wrap up right now because of like, you know, it's, it's like the time, but at the end of the day, like before we do wrap up, is there anything on your heart right now from what I just said, or even anything that you have on your heart that you feel like you want to share that you haven't got a chance to share yet? Man, basically just... Just never give up on people. So I know it's so happens so often that people get just get frustrated, they get discouraged, they get disappointed about people. It's just don't give up on people. God never gave up on us. Jesus never gave up on us. So we never need need to give up on people around us. So just continue just to pursue people around you. Continue to just to spread that love again. Just plant the seeds and stand firm in your faith when when you approach them the guy or the woman that's gonna be slandering you or speaking poorly upon you. Just 
and be slow to anger in those situations as well. Let your fruit, let your fruits prosper. Let, let God work through your life for his glory and always be humble through it all. That's really good stuff, bro. That's really good stuff. It's such a good reminder, bro. Like even think about the story of that one dude that started cursing out that girl. What if she wouldn't have just been like, but come like, what if she didn't keep or what if my friend wouldn't have texted me for multiple months straight, you know, and it's just such a big reminder at the end of the day, don't give up on people. Cause like you said, Jesus didn't give up on us. You know, like that's what I always like to remind myself. It's really easy to see where we are now in our faith. And obviously we're still growing. We're not perfect. The moment we think we're perfect, that's dangerous. But if, if somebody wouldn't have continued to pursue me, if Jesus didn't continue to pursue me, where would I be? And remembering that is really encouraging. And, you know, thinking about the story of the 99 sheep, you know, but the one that was lost, like went and found that, like that's so deep. So yeah, bro, I really appreciate you. And I'm excited to see what you wind up doing at Louisiana Tech and just seeing how God continues to use you in your summer season and just how God uses you with your teammates even, you know, like it's really cool just like seeing the way that you're, living a life for God and just like the captions on your Instagram, bro. Like I could just tell from reading them. I was like, that's deep stuff. Like the, the words on it. I was like, that's, that's just deep. Like, it's like really like good, like, you know? And so I was just like, I knew in that moment, I was like, I need to talk to him and see if I can get him on this podcast. So I'm really glad that it was able to work out, bro. And I really appreciate you, but yeah. So thank, thank, thanks so much again, bro. And if you want to drop your Instagram, what other, whatever other social media on here, um, to let these people know if they want to follow you, just feel, feel, feel free real quick. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I didn't know if the schedule would work out, but it did. What he got for that. But yeah, my Instagram is just my name, Jonathan Hogart. And, uh, my Twitter is, uh, capital J H O G underscore eight. So yeah, just give me a follow and reach out if y'all ever need anything. I appreciate you, bro. And thank you so much again. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do at Louisiana Tech, like I said earlier, and just seeing how God continues to use you to impact his kingdom through through the sport of baseball, you know, however far it takes you, whether it's the MLB, you know, minors, Louisiana Tech, how, however far it is, I know he's going to use you to glorify his kingdom, which like you said, that's what's most important. It's all worship to him. So thank you again. And guys, just take into heart what has been talked about here. Take into heart that at the end of the day, we need to stand firm in our faith, but we need to do it in a loving way, you know, because if we do it in a hating way, it's not going to matter. And take in the heart that at the end of the day, stand firm and continue to stand firm. Don't give up on people. No matter how far you think they may be from Jesus, remember how far you once were from Jesus. So, you know, just remember that at the end of the day, all that we do in our sport, it's all for the glory of God. It's not for our own glory. It's our game, but it's for his glory, just like the name of this podcast. So God bless you guys. And I look forward to hearing how this podcast episode impacted your guys' life. God bless y'all.